So, hey everybody, uh, welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman, and I am super happy that once again you've decided to join me. Now, I hope by this time that you've decided to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so that all of the latest podcasts are in your feed. And hey, it would be really helpful for me too if you would go to iTunes and give me a five-star rating and maybe write a review, because uh, that just helps me spread the word and helps my podcast come up a little closer to the surface for people to find. At any rate, thanks for being here. Today I have another one of my really favorite people. Uh, we've been we've known each other for years, uh, several years, whatever almost a decade. That's kind of sounds bad, (laughs) but it's true. Um, anyway, and, uh, and so I'm really happy to have her. She's a lady who is, uh, traveling around the globe, serving the Lord, doing great things and has a beautiful history. And so I just wanted to introduce you to my friend, Jennifer Crow. Welcome. Hi, hi, Melissa. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. And, um, I have heard some of your podcasts and they're just awesome. And I'm, honored and glad to be here on this rainy day absolutely we are we are currently uh taping this podcast uh on a day when we have had flood after flood after Mm -hmm. flood in oklahoma Mm -hmm. and um and so in fact i was a little concerned that she might not be able to get to get to me because Mm -hmm. i was afraid we might get flooded in yeah yeah it's crazy so we're here yeah we are it's cozy in this little in this little room that we're recording in (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so Jennifer, tell me a little bit about you. How did you become a Christ follower? Um, what, you, what are the things the world is clamoring to know about you? Oh my goodness. I don't know if the world's clamoring to know anything about me, but I will talk about it. All right. Uh, you know, I was raised in a little town in South Texas, so I'm a Texas girl. And I was raised probably like many, many Texas kids back in the 60s. Yeah, that's how old I am. Um, I just like to say we're women of a certain age. Oh, gosh. But we've got so much life ahead of us, Yes, right? for sure. So I was raised a Methodist and a little Methodist church, went to church every Sunday, but my parents drank and smoked and cussed and, you know, <laughs> it's just normal life. And um, it wasn't until I went to a Baptist church when I was eight years old with a little friend who invited me to a revival. Oh, you know, wow. Southern Baptist revival. Hey, I grew up in a Southern Baptist <clears throat> church. I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so they tell every every kid to invite all their friends. Right. So I got invited, and for the first time, Melissa, I heard that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for me. I had never heard that before in Sunday school in the Methodist church. Nothing against the Methodists. I'm sure it was age appropriate, right? Right. Uh-huh. But when I was eight, I heard that for the first time. Wow. The first time I heard it, it absolutely pierced my heart. And man, I'm getting emotional now. It pierced my heart and I knew that I, that my sins had put Christ on the cross. I was eight years old. Oh wow. And and the sins that I had were things like, I would think cuss words as I was riding my bike. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. It's really awesome. On my little level, that was bad stuff. And so, so anyway, I was the only one that day, that night, that went forward to the altar 
and I received Christ at the age of eight years old, and the tears were streaming down oh my, my cheeks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because usually kids give to their heart, their hearts to Christ chewing gum and say, "Yeah, you know, I think this might be a good idea." Okay, fine. All my friends are doing it. I'll do it too. But yeah. you really had an encounter. I had never heard of the crucifixion before, to my knowledge. Wow! So I came forward and accepted Christ. I was crying. Um, I went. My my my. The parents of my friend took me home that night, and my parents could tell I had been crying. And they were very upset. Oh, wow. Because Methodists don't necessarily, you know, go for this emotional stuff, right? right? And so they were very upset and wondering, you know, why I was crying. I explained it to them. And they said, well, honey, uh, it's okay, but that's just a a bunch of emotionalism. And um, then about two years later, my, my mother went on to have some crises in her life, which drew her to... Um, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and, and some Methodist from the lay witness movement. I don't know if you heard of that. Anyway, it was a charismatic movement in the Methodist church at that time. They came through town and um, the Holy Spirit began to reach out to our family and we got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 10 years old Wow! at, at an Assembly of God revival. Wow. That's funny because, you know, uh, what you might, I don't even know, you probably don't know this story, but when uh, my husband Stephen and I wrote our first book about marriage, uh, we interviewed couples who had been married at least 50 years to ask for, like, tell us what makes your marriage successful. And your parents were one of the couples that we actually oh, interviewed. Nice. And uh, they said they said the same thing that every other couple that we interviewed said. They said, when we gave our heart to Christ and we got filled with the Holy Spirit, Everything in our life changed. It did. And and did. so... Mom and Dad quit arguing. They quit cussing. They quit drinking. I think they'd already quit smoking before that. But um, they started tithing. And, you know, this was a, a little bit of a process. But, I mean, everything changed. They mm-hmm. started talking about the Bible. They started talking about God's plan for the family. And they started, you know, talking to us kids. And, and I was spirit-filled because um, I was at the altar watching a person get prayed for and someone thought I had responded to the altar call but I was just observing and they said are, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, are you are you a Christian and my mother kind of walked up behind me and said of course she is and then, and then the person <laughs> said the person said well do you know about speaking in tongues I said no what is it and they explained speaking in tongues to me at this little altar when I was 10 and I said oh kind of like a secret code between me and God and they said, yeah. I said, sure, I'd love that. And so they prayed for me, and I began speaking in tongues on that night when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of launched us into the Methodist charismatic movement. I went on to go to Oral Roberts University because my parents had seen the World Action Singers on TV. <laughs> and you're a gifted singer. I Yep, and I was I was in choir in mm-hmm. high school, an all-state choir. And so my, my mother was like, you're going to be a World Action Singer. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, sure enough, I was in my third year of college at ORU. Uh, I traveled and sang with Richard and Oral Roberts and was on their TV programs and went to Hollywood and recorded television specials that were on primetime and in America back in those days. So it was, it was my friend, the movie star. Oh, you know, (laughs) I was just that little, that little cute person doing all the dances while Aretha Franklin was singing or, Oh wow. Yeah. I got to be on with, with a lot of people. Um, um, 
who's the guy that sang raindrops are falling on my head? Oh, I don't know, but if my husband were here, <laughs> yeah. he would tell yeah. us in a blink. Famous guy. Yeah. Okay, so I, he was on <laughs> oh. uh, what Roy, is his name? Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Oh, and wow. Teddy Pendergrass uh-huh. and I don't know, all kinds of people. That is but it was, fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And so, um, so we're going to talk about it kind of a, we're going to segue here into a little bit of a part of Jennifer's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, um, you, that's where you met your husband, Mark Crow. I met him at Oregon. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. mm-hmm. Can you talk talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, he was felt called to ministry, and I was a world action singer. He was looking for a singer to help him on his crusades. At that time, he was an evangelist, and he was looking for a singer to go with him. So his friend introduced us, mm-hmm. and we met. And sure enough, we became a ministry duo, ministry couple. We, we flowed really well together. Um, he became a pastor. I became the worship leader. So first he was a youth pastor, then he was a pastor, and all those years um, we were a ministry couple, and God did, by his grace, mm-hmm. wonderful things through us. And it was it was really a wonderful time. We also had five children during that process. Yep. And it was those those years were some of the best years. Yeah, and, and I will say this, Mark is Mark Crow is is a true evangelist. Oh yeah, because uh, in the way I actually met Jennifer it was because I went to work at I was hired to work at Victory Church, which is the is the church where she and, and Mark were the pastors of the lead pastors that they were the founding pastors of Victory Church. Yeah, and and I remember I was I attended church there for several years for uh, actually seven years before I went on staff there as just a regular congregate. But I remember saying. You know, Pastor Mark could read the phone book and 15 people would give their heart to Christ because he had that evangelic, uh, the evangelist anointing on his life. I mean, he, he was he was truly an evangelist. He truly is an evangelist. Absolutely. And uh, and so anyway, so I met you, and at the time you were you were leading worship back when we had trumpets and and mm-hmm. all kinds of brass sections during and, the 90s. Yeah, during the mm-hmm. 90s. I started in 2002 attending Victory. Oh, so we st- it was still carrying over in the early 2000s. It was. Okay. <laughs> Afraid it was. Um, yeah, there were. We had just started the. They had started the Sunday night connection, mm-hmm. which was the sort of younger, the younger crowd uh, service, I right, guess. And right. it was my husband's favorite service. Yes. So we would come to that. Um, but anyway, and then eventually she would. You would transition out of the lead pastor. Uh, the lead worship pastor position on some levels and kind of turn it over to some younger people. But it was because you were struggling with your health. Is that is that accurate? Well, the you know the health struggles. Um, yeah, we hired somebody mm-hmm. because I was getting hoarse, and I thought it was because I was singing so many worship experiences every week. Yeah, because we were doing at that time we they were doing know, like five, five or, or six, six something like that. Yeah, we yeah. were doing like four on Sunday and one on Wednesday or something and like that. Sunday night, I, I can't remember, yeah. but yeah, it was a lot, and I thought I was I was battling some some hoarseness. Um, so yeah, we hired. We, that's when we started branching out and hiring some other people to help mm-hmm. lead worship. And that um, I battled those health issues for about three years until I finally sort of had a, a crisis mm-hmm. where I was diagnosed with um, uh, laryngopharyngeal reflux disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, adenomyosis, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, Epstein Barr virus. Um, multiple things that had were causing me to have such fatigue, Melissa, that I, you know, in the charismatic church, you lift your hands, right, uh-huh. when you worship. I couldn't even raise my hands. I was so 
drained. And it was just, as I would go on the stage, I was just think, oh, please don't, Mark, don't have us repeat the song again. So it was it was in that moment that I sort of had a, a crisis. Right. I, could, I couldn't go on. And um, through that time, Melissa, God um, took, I took a, a sabbatical, mm-hmm. some sabbatical time. And miraculously, I was able to find a form of meditative prayer. It's kind of like meditation. Mm-hmm. It is meditation. Yeah, I it call is. it meditative prayer because it's more acceptable. It's more palatable to Christians. Right. 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 But I learned to meditate. And of course, I had the Word of God in me. So right. that's what I meditated on. For sure. And honestly, Melissa, a healing began in my life within six weeks of beginning to meditate three to five times a day for just five minutes. And then that healing went on for a whole nother year. And I was healed of all of those, all of those incurable conditions. Yeah. And if you know me today, I mean, I don't have chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, I know Jennifer before, during and after. And, um, you know, the, the beautiful thing about the Jennifer that I know today is she is not only is she physically healthy and travels the world and runs uh, several nonprofits and a, a for-profit organization and uh, she has her, her finger on the pulse of a lot of different uh, things going on, but she is, you're, you're as mo- emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy uh, as any, as as much as any person I've ever met. And knowing that you went through all of those incurable diseases and, and just like uh, you had, you couldn't, you had trouble coming into the church building. Even. Right, right. Just, I, I remember walking through an airport one time and I could just like, a three-inch step, a three-inch step, just barely going, mm-hmm. and and it was it was uh, just a severe fatigue mm-hmm. that and a pain that that sort of settled in my back and my shoulders. I couldn't sleep more than five hours at a time. Um, of course, that's kind of normal for me. It's <laughs> like I don't sleep more than that either. But I don't think but, that's abnormal. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I just you know, and what I realized was that it was it was caused it was caused by stress. I yeah. didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. But as I began to meditate, I, I learned that there were nine lies, Melissa, that were cycling through the script of my mind right. at all times. Simple things like I am unlovable, mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. Right. Uh, just the typical stuff that human beings go through. And I learned how to identify those lies by sitting quietly and asking myself, what am I feeling right now? And then asking myself, what's the truth? Right. And simply intentionally meditating on and being aware of what I was feeling. Right. That changed my life completely. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think that's important. It's one of the things I teach a lot of the clients that I work with is like, the voice we believe the most is our own. Mm-hmm. And what are we saying? What are we feeling in this moment? Like when that happened to you, what was your internal dialogue? Mm-hmm. And all of those things. And I think all of those things are important things to learn. And as we learn to allow God and Holy Spirit to really invade those places in our life, healing happens. Yeah. So that was not the, the health crisis and the subsequent healing was not the end of your um training ground oh of course not so you went on to you went on to have to experience another really what i would call traumatic event you want to talk about that a little bit yes it was the most traumatic thing i've ever experienced um in my life and it was the loss of my 34 year marriage right and 
I never in a million years would have predicted what happened. I, I just was, I didn't see it coming. Um, what happened was uh, my ex-husband had an affair and we worked very hard I'll, you know, I'll speak for myself. I worked very hard to try to uh, see if we could patch that marriage up because we have five children and right. five grandchildren and all of this beautiful history and all these wonderful friends and this fantastic church family that we had, um, that we had, you know, built and grown with. And mm-hmm. I did not want to just let that go. Right. And my marriage, I didn't want to let that go. Um, but you know, at one point after after uh, it was probably a year and a half of trying to work it out, um, I felt like the Holy Spirit put put this thought in my heart: Jennifer, you two are going two different directions, mm-hmm. and I want you to follow me. And it was just that simple. That simple. Of course, I'd been praying for and struggling, and we went to counseling. We went to hours and hours and hours of marriage counseling, individual counseling. And that simple word, and I finally had to get to the point, Melissa, because I knew that that's not socially acceptable right. in our circles. Um, sure. Divorce, mm-hmm. you know. My, I can still hear my mother's voice uh, <laughs> quoting a certain scripture. And, and Mom, I love you. And you are, you know, she's right. The scripture is, God, God hates, hates divorce. divorce. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, what's what's really um well, I'll save that for I'll save that for in a minute possibly. But um it was really difficult for me to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um but I had to have the courage and the strength to do what I knew was right for me. Right. And what I knew was right for my family and what I knew was right for my church and um the, the divorce, the, the church transition had already happened. So I was in a position when our whole world crashed. I was in a position that I was the only legal representative of Victory Church. And that is a lot of pressure. It is. To realize it's all hinging on my decisions. And so I just, you know, bathed my... Anna was in a crisis. So right. bathed myself in prayer and counseling I reached out to so many different men and women of God all over the world that advised me that helped me that walked with me that stood by me and I'm so thrilled to say that I do not regret a single decision that was made during that crisis Melissa Victory Church is doing fantastic it is it's great my children are doing fantastic I'm doing fantastic it seems like Mark is doing fantastic. And I know that sounds like, you know, maybe Pollyanna-ish. And believe me, there were there were just tons of just crying and lonely nights and tears and, and distress and trauma and reprogramming, right. you know, reprogramming my mind. Um, but uh, if I hadn't gone through the earlier crisis, I, I don't. I think I would be curled up in a ball somewhere. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you're, you know, it's one thing. Like I'm, I'm divorced as well. 
I, and I'm the one who left uh, my 20-year marriage, and I had three kids at the same at the time as well. And uh, but and and for me it was traumatic. But for you were in a public, you were in a fishbowl at oh, the time that you it was horrible. At the time that you guys had to walk through all of that, Victory Church was running what about. 5,500 was like attendance, attendance. On, per, per week. Yeah. At that and, time. and there were probably another 1,500, 2,000 people who. On the rolls. Well, yeah, there on was the probably rolls. 10 or 12,000. Yeah, and, rolls, and, there were, yeah. and it was multi campuses. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there was a. There, at that time, there was, you know, we had like four or five campuses. And, and so when you run. And, and Mark had been on TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys had traveled the world. And, and there, you just had oh. run running a lot of big circles and so how did being that having that public uh, every you know you were you for all intents and purposes were in a fishbowl everybody wanted to know what was mark going to do what was jennifer going to do and the whole world watched as you walked through one of the most traumatic times of your life how did you how did that affect you how did you navigate that oh gosh it was it, it was just it was just it was horrible I say it was horrible. It was difficult. It was difficult. It was difficult. And I, um, sometimes I would just, fortunately, Victory Church gave me a sabbatical time Mm -hmm. because they knew there's no way this woman can handle this. And so I was still on staff at Victory and they gave me all this time to just heal and to just figure out what was going to happen with my life. And so, Melissa, there'd, be, there'd literally be times that just every morning, you know, you wake up with just this this dread, this this feeling of grief. Just this second you wake up, you remember, you know, what happened. Kind of like a, losing a loved one, I would imagine. And um, I would just sit and I would read my Bible. I would read uh, other, you know, books that were helping me. I, would, I clung to... To, I was like a vacuum cleaner needing to pick up anything that could encourage me, that could keep me going, that could help me. I, I called out to God constantly. Why, why is it, Melissa, that the worst we are off we are, the more we cling to God? I don't know. Maybe that's why God doesn't mind us being in a crisis. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Some of the closest, sweetest, most wonderful times I've ever had with the Lord are when I'm at what I would consider my lowest level. And I don't hate those times. I actually look back on them with this wonderful feeling of closeness with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And and that's where I lived Mm -hmm. for those, for those times. And I mean, I I won't say I did everything perfect. No, I didn't do everything perfect, but I did the very best I could to try to hear from God. and, And just, it was, it was a lesson in just giving up. It was a lesson in loss. Pure surrender. It was a lesson in loss. Mm -hmm. Losing my job, losing my um, relationship with my husband, losing my relationship with some friends. Because, you know, in a divorce, as you well know, some people sort of take... Mm -hmm. Everybody has to pick a side. Whether they want to or not, they get get invited to pick a side. And I feel so sorry for people like that because it's not their fault, you know, that all this has happened. But um, just... And then I, you know, I, I, in the midst of that, I, um, I, a- anyway, that's. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you said something really powerful and you said, I treasure those hard times. I know the hardest time of my life, I lost my mother and some things in my life kind of spiraled out of control, not to the 
they're just different kind of spiral sure. than yours. But I look back on that now, um, you know, 15 years later and think, man, I'm so grateful that happened. Yeah. Like I would not be who I am today. I would not have the relationship with God, with Holy Spirit, with Jesus that I have today. Yeah. Had it not been for that, like yeah. those worst times, if you're going through the worst time of your life, I want you to know that it's tough. And when you're in the middle of it, you doesn't always seem like you can see up from where you're at. But I promise you down the road, there's healing coming yeah. and and you know you're healed when you can talk about it and it yep. doesn't hurt anymore. That's right. And so that's really cool. So thanks for sharing that. I know that's, that's a, uh, Jennifer's so open and she's willing to share the whole thing. And I really appreciate about that because I think our testimony is what helps other people move forward. So i uh, got to tie this up and put a little bow sure. on it. So I'm going to sure. ask you some fun questions. Okay. Um, what is a movie that you watch over and over because you love it? Um, Phantom of the Opera. All right. The movie. The, oh, I love that movie. Good. What is, what's the go-to book besides the Bible that you, that's the best book you've ever read? Oh my goodness. I love Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. Okay. Heaven. It's one of my favorites. All right. Um, are you coffee or tea? Coffee. Cream or sugar or black? Heavy whipping cream. Always. <laughs> okay. Are you uh, sweet or salt, or sweet or salty? Oh God, that's 50-50. All right. Um, tell me about how people... Now, you, you do speaking engagements. She's the um, the founder of Beautiful Dream Society, which is a human trafficking organization. And we're gonna I'm going to have her on another podcast because we want to talk about Beautiful Dream Society, which we didn't even get to touch on today. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do... She's going to do part two. We're going to do Jennifer Crow part one and Jennifer Crow part two. So don't, don't miss that one. But if, if people wanted to um, have you come and speak at their organization, their church, their whatever... How would they connect with you? Well, they can Google Beautiful Dream Society. That's the name of our organization. They could Google Jennifer Crow, but they could email me at info at beautifuldream.tv. Okay. Info at beautifuldream.tv. So uh, also, one of the other things I want you to know about Jennifer, she's, an art, she's a published author, and she has a book called Perfect Lies. Uh, where would they be able to purchase that book? They can purchase it on the Beautiful Dream website. Okay. That's beautifuldream.tv. Beautifuldream.tv is her website. Mm -hmm. uh, really, there's a book. There's a workbook. It is a phenomenal book. It's how she overcame the lies that she believed. Uh, and and how and she helps you walk through meditative prayer. She helps you walk through uh, just really how to challenge those lies and replace them with the truth and all of that thing. So I highly recommend that you go avail yourself of getting her book and her workbook. It will change your life forever. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with me. I can't wait. For, in a minute, we're going to do part two because there's so much more to tell. Awesome. Uh, but for this time, I just want to remind you that... Um, Again, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, go ahead and do that right now while you're listening. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, if you have interest in contacting me, you can always reach me through my website at, at bridgebuildermm.org. Or you can just uh, connect with me on Facebook or Instagram uh, at Bridge Builder Marriage. And I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And remember, you never waste a thing.